0: Psalm 103 is where we're going to be today, and uh, Byron read that for us a while ago. Um, it's kind of scary that both of us picked the same uh, scripture, and we didn't talk about that. Uh, I'd like to say it's one of those great mind things, but you know, maybe on Byron's part, but probably not mine. Happy Father's Day, as we call it at our house. Sunday, not, not a lot going on uh, there. Um, I think Father's Day is one of the holidays that really resonates with God. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't enjoy a good flag day just as much as the next person, but I think Father's Day speaks to him and speaks to his heart because I really believe that at some point... In the creation process Um, I don't know day six day seven somewhere along in there when God had finished his work he um, sat down and had a long conversation with himself and and I really believe that God asked himself what he wanted to do now You know, that's a a pretty big question when you're God. When you've done everything there is to do, when you've created all that there is to create, when you are all that there is to be, and when you can be anything you absolutely want to be, what do you do? What do you really want to be? And I believe that God said to himself, What I want to be more than anything else is a father. And more specifically, I think God said, I want to be your father. And there was a problem that we read about in scripture that kept that from happening right away. The problem is that we were born wrong. We we, we were born wrong. We were born with a, a sinful nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve. And just like it separated them in the garden from God, it separated mankind from God. God could not get to us his holiness would not permit that. And so from that, that moment on, when we mess things up that he had created, he, he began this relentless pursuit of you and me. The words in the song that we sang a while ago, I, I, I just I couldn't help but think about that, you know. That, uh, when it talks about that um, uh, there's, there's no shadow, that he won't light up, that he won't bring, bring light to. There's no mountain that he won't climb. There's no wall, no door that he won't kick down trying to get to you. And I think that's what God did from the very beginning of the fall of man. He, he set out on this, this pursuit to reclaim us, to adopt us, if you will, because at the very heart of things, when you boil it down to the very basic level, God's a whole lot of things, but what he is more than anything else is a dad. And if that weren't cool enough, he let some of us kind of know what that's like. He let, he let us experience that in our, in our earthly life as parents, and it's one of the few ways, I think, that we are privileged to, to sort of identify with the personality of God, in that he allows us to be a parent. He allows us to be a mom or a dad. And if that's the case, then he's gotta be of the standard, right? He's got to be the one that we look to when it comes to figuring out how to do this thing. He's got to be um, our target. It, it, it can't be what we think in and of ourselves as we're raising kids and grandkids and, and um, living our lives. It, it, and it can't even be all of what we learn from our own parents because, you know, they're flawed people too. They did the best that they could do, but they weren't perfect either. It can't be what some self-appointed expert has written in his latest book. I love those books, you know. Um, we get them a lot in, in our profession, in education, um, all the time. We, we, we get books from experts that tell us how to teach school. And in the first couple of pages, it, it will have a disclaimer saying that the author has never actually taught school. Um, That can't be our standard when it comes to parenting. It has to be God because he did it first and he did it best and he does it perfectly. So this morning, I want us to look at benchmarks for a dad. Four benchmarks that Byron read to us a while ago that David describes in the psalm that I want us to look at and and just like everything else that, that the Lord does You don't actually have to be a dad this morning for this to be applicable to your life because actually these four things are things that we need to grasp and things that we need to master with any relationship that we have. Any relationship whatsoever. Four benchmarks. The first one is this. In order to be a godly dad, a godly mom, a godly influencer of people, and man, we need those. We were talking in, in Sunday school a while ago about the kids that will be here this week and, and the volunteers that are going to come and give of their time and work with those kids and have a direct impact on their lives. You don't have to be biologically related to somebody to need the uh, characteristics and the trait of a godly parent this morning. But the first one that I want us to, to understand is, is if you're going to be that person and if you're going to follow the lead that God has set for us, you need to be a person with a very long fuse. Amen. A very long fuse. Look at what um, our text tells us this morning. Verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger, slow to anger, abounding in love. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but as I was reading this a couple of days ago, it really hit me hard that I am thankful that our God has a long fuse because I have tried to light that thing many times in my life. We need to be someone who is slow to anger. God sets that example for us, and we've got to follow that example. Anger is an extremely powerful and dangerous emotion. It really is. In fact, actually... Nah, I, I misspoke just a little bit. A- Anger is really not a true emotion. You, you realize that? You ever thought about that? You know, we have emotion. We have joy and we have, you know, excitement and we have anxiety and we have all those kinds of things. Anger in and of itself is not a real emotion. Anger is the manifestation of, Or in other words, the outward appearance of a different emotion. Anger is the manifestation of fear. And so frankly this morning, if you're one of those people that get angry a lot, or you get angry uh, easily, we have to do some self-inspection and And ask ourselves what are we afraid of what are we afraid of anger is our response to fear and what's the number one repeated phrase throughout all of scripture fear not fear not if you're dealing with that struggle this morning that we need to get serious about what we're afraid of. What causes us to react and respond that way? Because the Bible instructs us not to be afraid, not to be afraid. We Again, this morning in our lesson, we were talking about um, the difference between living a Christian life and and not living a Christian life, and um, Sherry pointed out one of the, the biggest advantages, the biggest... Um, things that we have going for us as a Christian, is that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be afraid. We let God handle the circumstances that naturally would cause us to be frightened, and we get to go on with our lives. We're not paralyzed by that anymore. So if that's the truth this morning, then we can't allow that fear to be present, and to come out in us as we deal with other people. Because not only is fear, excuse me, is, is anger just a representative of fear, but anger incapacitates the angry. One more time. Anger incapacitates the angry. You've heard the old expression, I'm so mad I can't see straight. That's true. Anger clouds our vision. Anger relieves us of our senses when we need them the most. It robs us of our energy that we need to think and that we need to rationalize and that we need to uh, use in more constructive ways. Anger will literally destroy, the one who is angry. And the other thing about anger, and this is really where it comes into play when we're talking about dealing with young people, we're talking about dealing with kids and grandkids and people that we have influence over. Anger creates an invisible yet indelible wall with those that we deal with. We can't see it, but, man, it's there. And it leaves a mark on the people in our lives that, sadly, for a lot of folks, never truly goes away. And when they they think about the relationship they had with that angry person, the the details are often cloudy and often fuzzy. The circumstances where feelings were hurt and where... Um, uh, just, just difficult and strain came between those people. Those things uh, elude us, and all we're able to remember is just how angry they were. Those folks can't deal with the issues anymore. Can't understand the reason. All that they really remember is that someone was angry with them. And a lot of folks unfortunately have to grow up in that situation. And and it it leaves a scar. It changes who people become. And I am thankful this morning, if nothing else, and I know you are too, that our God is slow to anger. He is slow to anger. That is not his go-to reaction with us. And if he's our benchmark, then it can't be our go-to reaction either. Second thing, not only do you need a long fuse, but you need a short memory. You need a short, short memory. Let's read again what David said. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. So great is his love that as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. One of the coolest things about God, one of the things that he does better than anybody else, is forget forget. You ever had a relationship with, with somebody and you know, I mean, you dread even going there. You dread seeing them because you know it's only a matter of time till they bring up everything that you've ever done wrong. I mean, like, you, you learn to hate Christmas because you don't want to be around that relative. That person that's always saying, Oh, now don't you remember when you did this? Don't you remember when you did that? Well, you know what? We need to let that go. We need to let that go. And as people who are going to have influence with other people and going to have relationships with other people, going to have an impact on younger people and people that we work with and whomever God sends to, into our life, if we're the ones that are always remembering the transgressions instead of the ones that forget the transgressions, how confident is that person going to be with us? How confident is that person going to be? i don't forget one time When I was young in my career, and and, uh, I was working uh, as an assistant coach for someone else, And, and this particular person that I was working for had a great deal of knowledge. He had played professional football for the Cleveland Browns. He really knew what he was doing. And we were playing a ball game one night, and our quarterback threw an interception, and he came off the field, and our head coach just berated that kid just got all over him. On and on and on and on. It was one of those deals, you know, you've seen it on television, you've seen it in a ball game, the the player's trying to walk away and the coach is still going with him, you know, trying to talk into the ear hole of his helmet about how dumb it was to throw that interception. Well, let me tell you next time we were on offense That kid threw another interception, because that's all he could think about. That's all he could think about. They say, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever, which I have a great deal of contempt for. I have two words for those people. Roger, Staubach, anyway, okay. But they say one of the things that he is so good at doing, and you have to to admit this, is that he literally has ice water in his veins and he can have the worst play in the world, but when he comes off the field and goes back on, it's like it never happened again. He's able to forget that. He's able to let it go, and that's a mark of a really good quarterback. You have to be able to do that. As a dad, you got to let it go. you got to let it go. The scripture tells us, in the same book that we're reading this morning, that God's mercies are new every morning. That when we get up, we get a clean slate. We get a fresh start. He holds nothing from yesterday over our heads. Why in the world would we want to treat anybody any other way? Got to have... A long fuse, you gotta have a short memory and you gotta have thick skin, thick skin. As we've already kind of pointed out this morning, even on Father's Day, Dad, it's really not about you. It's not, it's not about you. If you enter into a relationship with your kids or with anybody else for that matter, from a standpoint of what's it going to do for me, you're going to be sadly, sadly disappointed. You know, all of us have different roles that we play in our families. Some of us are the planners. Some of us are the, um, the peacemakers. Some of us are the, um, the class clown. We have fun, and, and you know, that's, that's what we bring to the table as a family dad, You're the payer. I've learned the older I get that I exist for one reason and one reason only, and that is because I have a debit card. That's it. I pretty much wouldn't be invited if that weren't true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's our role, that's what we get. Again, in our life group class, we've had this multi-year kind of ongoing saga. I want a tractor. Now, the fact that I have no need for one and would probably get it stuck, that's beside the point. I want a tractor. Have we bought a tractor? No. We bought a boutique. I own a store I'm embarrassed to go in. (laughs) For Mother's Day this year I've been hearing hints things you know little conversations and we're just going to confess our sins one to another this morning. Cricket and Chelsea want to go see Garth Brooks. Chandler and I do not. He's gonna be in Dallas. So, big surprise for Mother's Day. I sold a kidney and bought them tickets to go see Garth Brooks. (laughs) They're going to see Garth Brooks. The other night, Cricket says, hey, for Father's Day, I'm gonna take you to see the new Elvis movie. That's better than nothing. She says, I'll need your debit card. (laughs) In 2021, the average Mother's Day present cost $245. Average Father's Day gift, eight bucks. (laughs) Guys, it's not about us. It's not about us. And I joke about all those kinds of things, but you know, the truth is, I, I don't think I'd have it any other way. As warped as it is, one of the things I really enjoy, or, you know, one of the things I really like to do is with what little means I have to be able to, uh, to give things to my family and do things for my family. I, I really do enjoy that. We need to remember that's the standard that God sets for us this morning because what he gave to you when he adopted you was his son. And everything that comes with that, God spared absolutely no expense. And he doesn't get anything for it in return. And he does it every day. You understand this morning that you are God's motivation? You are the reason that He does what He does. Gotta have thick skin, you gotta have a short memory and a long fuse. And finally this morning, and we're gonna we're gonna be finished because we we get to participate in the Lord's Supper uh, this morning. We wanna leave time for that, but finally. The scripture says that you've got to have a big heart. You've got to have a huge heart. Look at what David says about our God. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. As a father his compassion, has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust God understands who we are and he loves us anyway he loves us anyway and dad if your kids grow up and they truly know that about you they truly know that in the midst of all of your flaws and all of your insecurities and the things that you weren't quite perfect at, if they grow up and truly understand that you love them with an unconditional, undefinable love, they got a shot to make it. Because if they get that from you, it's just one more step until they get that from their Heavenly Father. But if they don't get that from us, how in the world can they get it from a father that they can't see and that they can't touch? Two things about our hearts this morning, just like with your physical heart. You know, we can't see our heart. God's smart and he covered it up and he put a rib cage around it to protect it. And it's not something that we can just look at from the surface and know if it's working. That's an exact depiction of your relationship to your kids. You can't just make an assumption that they get it. In order to know that the heart is working, it has to be, you have to, you have to test it. The heart has to be, has to be heard And it has to be felt. You know, when you go to the doctor, he's going to take your pulse. And he doesn't take your pulse to make sure that your wrist is in good shape. No, he takes your pulse because that's how he's able to feel your heart. And he listens to your heart puts that stethoscope on, and he wants to hear that it's beating correctly and that it's in the proper rhythm and that it's doing the right thing because he can't see it. So some other way, the doctor has to be able to make an educated uh, decision about the quality and the health of your heart, and he does that by feeling of it and by listening to it. And our kids do the same thing with us. They've got to feel it. They've got to sense it. It's got to be be present. It's got to be going all the time. You don't want to go to the doctor and him not be able to find your pulse. You don't want to be somebody whose pulse works every now and then. It needs to be constant. It needs to be steady because it depicts your heart. It represents your heart. Dad, granddad, whomever you may be this morning with influence on somebody else, make sure those in your life can feel your heart. Don't assume that they know it. Don't assume that they get it just because you stick around and show up every day. Oh, they gotta feel it and they gotta hear it. And Dad, this is one of the things we don't typically do real well. Sometimes it's hard for dads to give their voice a heart. Ah, it's just not who I am. I'm not one of those touchy feely guys. That's okay. But be willing to break that rule in your life for those that matter to you most. They have to hear it. Our Heavenly Father gave us 66 examples of how much He loves us. We have to do that for the people in our lives. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say that I love you, it's necessary. And it becomes more necessary in the world that we live in each and every day as our young people battle an influence of lies, trying to get them to believe that somebody or something else loves them that's really very, very harmful. I'll just break down, Dad, and say it. It doesn't have to be eloquent, it doesn't have to be pretty, but it has to be heard. And then, Dad, not only tell them that you love them, but you tell them that you love their Heavenly Father. And you let them hear you say that. Because they're going to do their best to be just like you. Set that precedent for them in their life. And then maybe, just in some small way, we can emulate our Heavenly Father and give the people that we love and care about a fighting chance. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today, and we thank you that of all the things you could have chosen to be, you chose to be our Father. You chose to enter into a relationship with us when it cost you the life of your own son. And God, we can can take from your history and know this morning just how important that relationship is and how privileged we are to get to participate in it. God, help us to never forget that. Help us to make it the priority in our family's life that you have made it for each and every one of us. God, there's somebody here this morning that maybe doesn't have a... A good situation or a good memory of of their earthly father for whatever reason, and they've never known those attributes that we talked about, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in the heart and the mind of that individual, and that before this day is finished, they would enter into that permanent relationship with our Heavenly Father where love abounds, and Anger ceases, and there's a welcoming, and there's an adoption. God, help anyone today who does not know you as their father to just accept what you've done for us. We thank you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.